Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3 0. 3 0. Do you know what this means? 3 0. But also mean 3 premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect, respect. Inter Milan defeated Bayern Munich 2 0 in the Champions League final of 2010, in which Inter Milan would win, would become the first Italian club to achieve the treble under. Jose Mourinho's guidance. The first time they'd win the Champions League since 1965. 45 years. 45 years it took for them once again for them once again to reach the pinnacle of Europe. And Jose Mourinho took them. I bet most of you would be surprised to know Mourinho would be crying not tears of joy at the end of the game, but tears of sorrow, tears of sadness, because he knew his journey with the Italian club had come to an end. He knew he had to leave to greener pastures, to a greater club. He could not turn down Real Madrid, who sat in awe witnessing what the greatest coach of all time had done with Inter Milan, what he had achieved with the squad of amazing players, yes, but probably not the best team in Europe, and definitely, definitely did not have the best players in Europe. Before Jose Mourinho cried with Marco Materazzi, at the end of the 2010 Champions League final, he had to ready an international team that even they were not ready for what was to come. And even if he had told them with certainty they would achieve what you said they would achieve by the end of the season, they most likely would have laughed in your face. Inter had the greatest season in their history, completing a historic treble of Serie A, Coppa Italia, and UEFA Champions League, becoming the sixth European club to complete the treble and the only Italian club to achieve this feat to date. One of the most prominent moments in Italian football, no doubt. The main transfer move was an exchange with Barcelona as Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Samuel Eto swapped clubs. From a tactical point of view, the lineup was not made up from this fact. Eto was himself a center forward. His partner was Diego Milito, acquired from Genoa, like the midfielder, Diago Mota. There were also the arrivals of the centre-back, Lucio, and the playmaker, Wesley Schneider. Inter unveiled the season unveiled the season losing the Supercoppa Italiana due to a 2-1 knockout against Lazio. One of the things one of the things we, we the one of the things 
we are already getting a glimpse of is the man management under Jose Mourinho, but more more than the man management, the players that thrive under Jose Mourinho. Thiago Mota was, I believe, always an underrated player, a astounding center defensive mid who knew his role tactically and could do it to perfection. Diego Milito was an Argentine striker that knew his role perfectly and could do it to perfection, exactly like Diago Mota. These are players that have grit and technically are gifted not so gifted, not as gifted as to just rely on tactical ability, but gifted enough so that the grit they also have balance each other out. Wesley Schneider was the main playmaker for the team. And a couple of days ago, actually, he said, if I believe it was yesterday, if he had tried harder, he could have been better than Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Of course, everyone cynically left at that comment, and um, you can't really blame them. I mean, it is... I believe Twitter and social media can be quite cynical, but I also believe that Wesley Schneider has a point. The, 20 se- the 2010 season, he was robbed of the Ballon d'Oro, and I believe it went to Messi, but he had one of the best seasons of all time. Well, maybe not of all time, but the best season at least. Best season that year, no doubt leading this Inter Milan team as the attacking playmaker to the Champions League final, the final of the Coppa Italia, and a first-place finish in La Serie A. I think going over the squad, it's important to give the audience a little bit of context as to what Milan had at their disposal, what they were dealing with, and how they would manage the players they had. For one, goalkeeper Julio Cesar. I think he was also another underrated player nowadays. I think we forget how good of a goalkeeper he was, and his best times undoubtedly came with Inter Milan. Javier Sanetti, another astounding right back, full back for the Argentine national team and the Inter Milan squad. Lucio, top, top Brazilian center back. Thiago Mota, as we recently stated, midfielder. Solimantari, not the most prominent out of the squad, but definitely one to remember. Maicon, the right back, the full back for the Brazilian national team, a solid player in his heyday, a solid player in his prime. Javier Zanetti might have been the left back, I might have been mistaken there, but know that Mike Gunn and Javier Zanetti made a fullback partnership that in the 2010s was deadly, absolutely deadly. Esteban Cambiaso, in his prime, the Argentine midfielder was an absolute, an absolute savage in the midfield. He would win every ball and control the tempo. Mario Balotelli, forward, do we even have to go into context as to why? In his heyday, before his career fell off the rails, he was one of the most promising forwards of all time. He would have been one of the best forwards of all time, most likely. Dejan Stankovic, the Serbian midfielder, another solid, solid midfielder. Samuel Eto, 
the forward, Cameroonian man, Wesley Snyder, the Dutch international. This was a very, very solid squad. Diego Milito, forward, Argentinian, Marco Materazzi, Materazzi, Italian defender. It was a very solid squad that would be ready for what they that would what would be put at their disposal, and they did not even know it. Now, let's get into a little bit of what they were able to complete during the season. Top. Before we get into that, actually, let's get into a little bit of the appearances and the goals that were contributed by these players. The leading goal scorers in the team were Diego Milito, with 22 goals in the Serie A, 2 goals in La Copa Italia, and 6 goals in the Champions League. Right behind him was Samuel Eto, who scored 12 times in the Serie A, once in the Copa Italia, and 2 times in the Champions League. Mario Balotelli was third, scoring nine times in the Serie A, once in the Coppa Italia, and once in the Champions League. Wesley Schneider was fourth, scoring four times in the Serie A, once in the Coppa Italia, and three in the Champions League. I put all this out in front of you at the moment, just to give you guys a little bit of context as to the players, not only the players that were on this team, but the achievements they were able to the achievements they were able to basically do, what the amount of goals they scored, how influential they were to the team, and to just give you guys a little bit of context as to what was going on. Let's get right into Mourinho's historic season. Adriano, the Brazilian striker, left Inter in April of 2009 and the exit of the Brazilian striker was followed by the Argentine duo Julio Cruz and Hernan Crespo. Legendary Portuguese attacking midfielder and veteran Luis Figo retired. Figo was on the verge of leaving Inter under Mancini due to a lack of playing time. But in his final season, Mourinho used him frequently. Mourinho signed Argentine striker Diego Milito, who fell just one goal short of winning the top scorer award with Genoa as well as Diago, C Diago Mota, I apologize, and Wesley Schneider, to bolster the midfield. Perhaps his most notable signing of the summer of his second season was a swap deal of Zlatan Ibrahimovic in exchange for Barcelona's Cameroonian striker Samuel Eto and a reported 35 million euros. This transfer was the second most expensive in the history of the transfer market, after Cristiano Ronaldo moved from Manchester United to Real Madrid earlier in the summer. Eto got off to a promising start with Inter by scoring two goals in the first two matches of the season. Ricardo Quaresma's signing for Mourinho's old club Porto was viewed as a missing link in the Inter squad, but his play disappointed the club and led him to be loaned off to Chelsea midway through the season. Ironically, Mourinho's other former club. Mancini also felt to dominate in the midfield, and addressing these shortcomings in the transfer market became a priority for Inter. Inter's lack of a creative playmaker, or Trecartista, had been blamed for the Champions League failure. In an attempt to deal with this issue, Inter signed Dutch midfielder Wesley Schneider from Real Madrid. Here we see clearly what Mourinho had to deal with. Mourinho had to deal with Mancini, Roberto Mancini, who had left for Manchester City at this time, 
his inability to create a midfield that was um competitive competitive enough to complete to compete against Europe's elite. He also made some very very bold decisions, especially the swap deal of Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Samueleto. Very bold decision, considering Zlatan Ibrahimovic is considered one of the best strikers of all time, knowing that it might not pay off. And Ricardo Quaresma, his career in general has been a very disappointing, very disappointing in the sense that he could have achieved a lot more. He was touted as the next Ronaldo with Ronaldo, if that makes any sense. They were both touted to be the next great players. Quaresma failed to live up to it, and once again failed to live up with it with Mourinho. But that opened the door for Wesley Schneider, who would become Inter's playmaker and have one of his best seasons of all time. Mourinho was once again sparked controversy in the summer with his argument with Italy national team coach Marcelo Lippi. Lippi predicted that Juventus would win the Scudetto in the 2009-2010 season, which Mourinho viewed as disrespectful to Inter. The previous year, Lippi predicted Inter would, Inter would win the title, and Mourinho did not respond to his prediction. Lippi responded by saying that Mourinho was equal to Ciro Ferrara and Leonardo at Juventus and Milan, respectively, only that he was more experienced. After the row with Lippi, he clashed with Italy captain Fabio Cannavaro over David Stanton's place in the Inter squad. Cannavaro had said that Stanton Santon, might have to leave Inter to get regular playing time to gain selection for Italy in the upcoming World Cup. Mourinho responded by saying that Cannavaro was acting like the coach. If there's anything Mourinho is known for is that he will not take, for lack of a better term, shit. Mourinho will never has never wanted to be second-guessed and has never wanted, never allowed anybody to second-guess him, especially his players. I think we're seeing a little bit of that, a little change to his philosophy because he has not performed at the highest level he could perform at with his recent clubs. Tottenham, he's now at Tottenham, and I think he's Easing up a little bit, I think as a coach, you have to be bold, though. You cannot let your own player undermine you, and you cannot let your own player, even if it's Fabio Cannavaro, World Cup winner, make the decisions for you. Let's go into the actual season, because the season was not... The season did not represent the glory that was achieved at the end of it. It was a very... It was an up-and-down battle for Inter Milan. Inter struggled in their first two matches of the new season. The team lost to Supercopa Tulasio 2-1 and drew 1-1 with newly promoted Bari at the San Siro. Mourinho's team improved dramatically after that, however, as he built a formidable midfield with Schneider at the heart of it and the likes of new signing Thiago Mota and veterans Javier Zanetti and Dejan Stankovic. Inter went on to score more than 30 goals before the end of November, thrashing derby rivals Milan 4-0 with new signings Diego Milito and Mota both scoring, and hammering Genoa 5-0, the largest margin of victory in the Serie A that season. Mourinho was sent off in the December Derby, Derby d'Italia away fixture after he sarcastically applauded the referee for what he thought was a dubious free kick given to Juventus, and Inter went on to lose 2-1, courtesy of a Claudio Marquisio winner in the second half. One of the things that we should take into account is that Mourinho, when he gets his teams playing, he gets his teams playing. 
Mourinho's Real Madrid squad after his stint at Inter is considered one of the best squads, probably one of the best counterattacking squads we have ever seen. And what I'm trying to say by it's it's a pretty almost like a obvious statement, but I think we have to actually like look deeper into it. When Mourinho gets his players in a rhythm, it is very hard for that rhythm to go away. Because they have such a way of playing which is excuse me, they have a they have a way of playing in which they will counterattack you to the death, and they will defend to the death until they see an opportunity. And once they have that counterattacking down, they will continue to do it and do it and do it and do it and kill and kill and kill. When they ki- when when if you mess up once, boom, you're done. The counterattack will get you. And I think that's what the great coaches all have. Um, even if you're looking at Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola is the same way, almost in a possession like mindset. Probably plays a higher line. And when they mess up, they mess up. Boom. It's a goal. Um, I think philosophies so drastic, such um, such radical philosophies uh, are a double-edged sword, of course. Um, but I think Mourinho's philosophy of parking the bus, although it gets much hate, I think it undeservedly gets much hate, I think it's a much more viable option on the fact that it will always be used more if you want to win than possession. I mean, look at Real Madrid's Manchester City in February before the uh, the whole coronavirus thing happened. The first leg where Manchester City won 2-1. What did Pep Guardiola do? He went Mourinho. And I don't blame him. I mean, you're at the Santiago Bernabeu. Are you, are you kidding me? You're not going to go attack Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu. He put Gabriel Jesus almost as a left mid. Gabriel Jesus' most important duty was going back on defense. And they just went on defense. They let Madrid come to them. Madrid do end up scoring in the second half with Vinicius. But then they catch him off twice. Almost like a Mourinho-like team. Across to Kevin De Bruyne who heads it in. No, I'm sorry. Across to Gabriel Jesus who pushes off Sergio Ramos and heads it in. No foul was given by the referee. I did not see a foul there either. And then Dani Carvajal commits a penalty and Raheem Sterling two And Kevin De Bruyne slots it in. And they went 2-1. Mourinho's... Mourinho's style of play will always be much more viable. And that's why his teams continue to... That's why when his teams get in a rhythm, it's very hard. I mean, you could say the same thing about Guardiola. But, like I said, it's much more viable. In in, in everything. It's much more viable to lose and to win that way. But it's much more viable if you're trying not to lose. Trying not to lose this possession is very hard. Because you're putting yourself out there regardless. Later during the season... Mourinho maintained a strongly critical position against refereeing in Italy, which reached its peak during the league game on the 22nd of February 2010 against Sampdoria, which ended in a 0-0 tie, with two Inter players being sent off in the first half. At the end of the first half, Mourinho made a handcuffs gesture towards a camera which was considered by the Italian Football Federation as violent and critical of the refereeing performance, and caused a three-game ban against the Portuguese coach. Also, his difficult relationship with young striker Mario Balotelli and the team's loss of form that led Inter to achieve only 7 points in 6 games with 3 of those games, including a a shock 1-3 defeat at the hands of the Sicilian Minos Catania happening during Mourinho's ban, were heavily criticized by the media and pundits. Despite this, Mourinho achieved what was hailed as one of his career highlights after Inter managed to progress to the Champions League quarterfinals by defeating his former team Chelsea in both legs. 2-1 2-1 at the San Siro, then followed by a 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge. 
referee, uh, refereeing, refereeing decisions in Italy have always been criticized, especially after Juventus got relegated to the second division after it was found that Juventus had been paying off referees. It was a very, very crucial scandal, uh, very bad for the league, of course, and I think it also, I mean, how can you not have a conspiracy theory in mind when two interplayers get sent off in the first half against Juventus? That's very, very, you know, very difficult to defend, if you know what I mean. He did, uh, Mourinho did end up, if we, I'm looking at some of the fixtures right here, um, he ends up, uh, we're looking at some of the matches right here of the city, yeah, I mean, here it is, we have, uh, 29th of August, as we recently said, Inter beat Milan for nothing, we've already gone over the fact that Juventus, we just went over the Juventus 2-1, uh, 2-1 defeat, with uh, two one defeat to Juventus, Eto scored in the twenty six minutes. Chiellini and Marquisio win the game, and then after that they they drew to Atalanta one to one on the thirteenth of December, and twentieth of December they won one nil. After that, Juventus lost. They didn't lose again until the twelfth of March against Catania three to one, as we've already progressed a little farther into the season before this, but they did have very good form, and I think one of Mourinho's, the reason Mourinho's philosophy can also be a double-edged sword is, if we're looking at some of these results, 13th of December 2009, Atalanta 1, uh, Atalanta 1, Inter, Inter Milan 1, 16th of January 2010, Bari 2, Inter, uh, Inter Milan 2, uh, 10th of February 2010, Parma 1, Inter Milan 1. If this is showing a, uh, a pattern, it's that these weak teams are drawing with Inter Milan. If we were look, if Pep Guardiola was managing this um, team, those would most likely be victories. However, now looking at some of the fixtures earlier, I think it's also a loss of form, I believe. I mean, if we're looking at some of the fixtures from 3rd of October to 1 of November, they were beating teams left and right. Um, so I think it's a loss of form. Um... I mean, what Inter Milan did this season was absolutely incredible to just be able to win the treble. And I, I'm going to go into the round of 16 a little bit against Chelsea. The first game was the 24th of February, 2010. Uh, Milito scored the first goal in the third minute, and then followed by Kalu. Uh, Kalu scored, uh, scored the goal for Chelsea, I apologize. And that was the away goal in the 51st minute. And then Cambiaso, the Argentine midfielder, in the 55th minute scored the second goal to make it 2-1 Inter Milan, taking a 2-1 lead to Stamford Bridge. At Stamford Bridge, Chelsea with one goal would have been it uh would have been ahead in the tide with the away goal. However, it did not help when well Eto scored in the 78th minute, giving Inter Milan the away goal, meaning that two goals from Chelsea would only advance the game to extra time. And Drug by getting a red card in the 87th minute did not help Chelsea's cause, being eliminated in the round of 16 to Inter Milan. Inter Milan's uh, Inter Milan in the group stage was in Barcelona's group, finished with nine points. Barcelona finished with 11 points, and of course were able to advance to the next round. Excuse me. On the 6th of April 2010, Jose Mourinho became the first manager in history to take three different teams to the semifinals of the Champions League. This record was equaled by Bayern Munich manager Louis van Gaal later that day. Late a day later, I apologize. After Inter managed to overcome Cheska Mosca 1-0 in Russia in the second leg of their quarterfinal tie, which ended 2-0 on aggregate. 
Wesley Schneider's goal in the 6th minute proved the difference in a match played in laid-back style. This marked the first time in 7 years that Inter managed to make it to the semi-finals of the competition. On the 13th of April, Inter continued their good season, having managed to reach the Coppa Italia final for the first time under Mourinho by beating Fiorentina 1-0 away, 2-0 on aggregate. Now, if we're looking at the match against Ceska Moscow in in the quarterfinals, it's almost pretty funny how football has changed. I mean, Ceska Moscow, considering they even made it to the quarterfinals, is pretty impressive, and considering they only lost 2-0 to Internazionale is very impressive. Ceska Moscow hasn't made a big, hasn't even made that much of an impact in Europe since. Uh, not, not even in the Europa League. If anything, Spartak Moscow has been much more better. But if we're looking at the match, the first match against Spartak uh, against Ceska Moscow, I apologize, was the 31st of March, 2010. Milito scored the goal in the 65th minute to give Inter Milan the one 0 lead. But this shows again, Mourinho's teams always stay back, even if they're facing the Ceska Moscow. They're always going to stay back. 65th minute and took for Inter Milan to score, and I think it's also a beneficial tactic. I mean, if we're looking at it from this point of view, um, Pep Guardiola has lost against teams in the Champions League that were nowhere near his level, his his greatness, nowhere, nowhere near them at all. I mean, if we're looking at the loss against AS Monaco, he lost against AS Monaco, I believe it was 5-3 on aggregate, or I might be mistaken, but I know he lost to them, and if he had played the Mourinho strategy, it may have you know, play out for him a little better. Um, attacking, even if it's a bad team, does not help your cause in all cases. I mean, if we're looking at the same thing, uh, last year, 2018-2019 season, uh, Manchester City versus Schalke, 04, in the round of 16, Schalke had a lead on Manchester City 2-1 to before, I think it was overturned 3-2 to uh, by a Leroy Sané free kick and a Raheem Sterling goal. But that's another example of an un, unneedlessly attacking a team that you could probably be defending. Probably be, you could still probably be beat by defending your own goal and playing it safe. Now, of course, does it always work? Absolutely not. I mean, if we're looking at way, um, examples of where it did not work, I think we could use uh, Sevilla versus Manchester United when Mourinho was the coach there. Um, he went into the, into Sevilla defending completely and. He was expecting, of course, everyone was expecting them to at least win in Old Trafford, and they did not end up winning. They did not end up winning, and it was that is one of the ways in which this strategy does not always go to plan. So it definitely does not always go to plan, but I think history has shown to us that it goes to plan more times than not. More times than not in comparison to Guardiola's playstyle. Now, let's continue. On the 28th of April 2010, Jose Mourinho reached the Champions League final for the second time in his career after Inter beat holders Barcelona 3-2 on aggregate despite losing 1-0 at the Camp Nou, which Mourinho called the most beautiful defeat of my life. That's pretty just funny on the fact that, of course, he lost, but he still won on aggregate. Um, I think we have to go a little you know, deeper. This is one of the most crucial games in his campaign of the Champions League, and I think just over, I think just passing it over like that doesn't do it justice. So, Inter Milan, April 20th, 2010, faced Barcelona. And I think this proves my point to the maximum effect. So, Inter Milan faced them. 
at the San Siro, and they would end up winning 3-1 due to a Schneider goal in the 30th minute, a Maicon goal in the 48th minute, and a Milito goal in the 61st minute. Pedro did score first in the 19th minute for Barcelona, but that would be the only sco- that would be the only goal. Excuse me, they scored in front of 79,609. Uh, once again, at the San Siro, San Siro in Milan, Italy. Now, the reason I say this proves my point to its maximum effect is that Barcelona came out and attacked like they always do at the San Siro, not at the San Siro by any team. It was a very arrogant apo- approach by Pep Guardiola to attack. At the San Siro, away. And I think Pep Guardiola has always done that. Um, attacking a team, even if, he, even if he's playing away. He doesn't really, he doesn't really care. He'll, he'll, he'll lose. I guess that's, a, that's one of the reasons why I, res, I respect Guardiola. Like, if he loses, he'll say, you know what? I lost, but I lost playing my way. So I don't, you know, I don't care. It's a very bold approach, but you gotta, you know, you gotta have, you know, courage to do what he does. It doesn't pay off, though, and I feel like this is one of those examples where it's a much more viable option to defend when you're away. Once again, Inter Milan versus Barcelona at the camp now. 28th of April, 2010, second leg. Piqué scores in the 84th minute, but it's too late. Although Mota did receive a red card in the 28th minute, which was controversial, to say the least. Piqué scoring in the 84th minute was not enough. Despite a goal going in at the end, it was called off through the offside or a foul, I think, and Inter would advance to the final of the Champions League. 96,214 were disappointed and left in tears at the Camp Nou. Now, I think this is what, what I'm trying to say is that Inter went into the Camp Nou smartly defending, knowing that all they needed to, all they needed to, do, all they needed to do was hold on to bear, dear life, excuse me, and they did. Once again, demonstrating the aspect, the viable option that is defense, that is parking the bus. This brought Inter back into a Euro- European Cup final 38 years after their last defeat, a defeat by Ajax. Mourinho was involved in a brief scuffle with Barcelona goalkeeper Victor Valdez while attempting to join in the Inter celebrations. I clearly remember that, and it was one of the... Uh, it, it honestly angers me to watch that video, because Victor Valdez does not... He has no business getting his touching... First of all, touching another man, and second of all, touching Mourinho, putting his hands on him because he's celebrating. Are you kidding me? Mourinho afterwards stated that anti-Madridismo had motivated the Barca fans, suggesting that they were obsessed with reaching the final and winning the tournament in their arch-rival's home ground. Marca proclaimed that Mourinho had passed the test to become the next head coach of Real Madrid as their fans celebrated the elimination of Barcelona. If there's one thing Mourinho also does perfectly is uh, what I call, what my father calls, uh, uh, like Mourinho a sociedad anónima. He works for himself. He knows what's in his best interest. And his best interest was, with all due respect, shitting on Barcelona because he knew his next big option in the coaching sphere was at the White House, El Bernabeu, and he knew he couldn't say anything stupid to not get the job. And of course, I think even getting Victor Valdez to be extremely angry at him was only made it better for Mourinho. On the 2nd of May, after a 2-0 away win at Rome against Lazio, Inter almost secured the Serie A title. On the 5th of May 2010, the team won the Coppa Italia, defeating Roma 1-0 in 
and on the 16th of May 2010, Inter beat Siena 1-0 to secure the domestic double, accomplishing the feat of winning all trophies available for a manager in the Serie A. An absolutely incredible feat, and I think we should give the Coppa Italia a little bit more, a little bit more of a deeper dive into what their journey looked like. The round of 16 journey, Internazionale versus Livorno, El Milan, San Siro, in front of 8,316 fans. Schneider, Wesley Schneider scored in the 60th minute to beat Livorno. Then the quarterfinals was no easy task, facing a team that had already been hated by Mr. Mourinho, Juventus, at the San Siro. 20th of January, Lucy, Lucy, first of all, Diego scores in the 10th minute. The Brazilian scores for Juventus to give them a 1-0 lead. However, Lucio responds late in the second half in the 72nd minute. And Balotelli, in the 89th minute, scores the second goal to defeat Juventus. The semifinals saw Internazionale, Inter Milan face Fiorentina the 3rd of February 2010. Milito scored in the 34th minute, the only goal that would occur in the game, but guess what? The only goal that was needed as Inter, well, I apologize, after, uh, the Copa Italia is a little different. They have two legs for the semifinal, which is quite interesting. In front of 15,000 fans, Milito scored the only goal that was needed in that first leg. The second leg saw 13th of April 2010 in Florence in front of 36,000 Samuel Eto scored in the 57th minute against Fiorentina to win the match. 1-0 and win it, win it on aggregate 2 to nothing. Finally, the final, the 5th of May 2010 in front of 55,000 at the Estadio Olimpico. Milito scored in the 39th minute and Totti was, was thrown out of the game with, two, with a second yellow card in the 88th minute. Inter Milan lifted the Coppa Italia the Coppa Italia and as stated he would become he would secure the domestic double after beating Siena 1-0 to, uh, in the Serie A of course to secure the Serie A title as well finally on the 22nd of May 2010 Inter won the 2010 Champions League after defeating Bayern Munich 2-0 and in doing so became the first Italian club to complete the treble with Mourinho personally celebrating the second Champions League title in his managerial career. The first one came with FC Porto against AS Monaco. The day after having won the Champions League, Mourinho said that he was sad, as almost for sure it's my last game with Inter. He then added that, if you don't coach Real Madrid, then you will always have a gap in your career. After days of discussions between Real Madrid and Inter, a world record-breaking compensation package was successfully agreed on 20th of May 2010, and Mourinho was consequently released by Inter. Now, I want to correct something I said in the beginning, that it was 45 years since uh, an Italian club had won the Champions League, or at least Inter. I think Inter... No, I think I, I think I was mistaken entirely. So, just to be clear, I want to correct what I said earlier. This brought Inter back into a European Cup final 38 years after their last defeat, a defeat by Ajax. 38 years since they were able to I think it was 45 years since they were able to win it, 38 years since they appeared in one. So I think I might have been right. I might have been right, but regardless, they secured the trouble, defeating Bayern Munich 2-0 in the Champions League. Let's go over a little bit about what happened in that game, the 22nd of May 2010, at the Santiago Bernabeu. Once again, Mourinho said earlier that 
Barcelona's anti-Madridismo made them want to defeat Inter so bad because they were so enthralled with defeating Real Madrid at the Bernabeu that they forgot they had a real task at hand. And that was Mr. Mourinho. All he asked for is respect. And apparently they don't give it to him. They never do. Milito. Milito, Milito, Milito. Diego Milito. El Argentino. Once again, 35th minute scores. And the 70th minute he scored again. A double in the Champions League final to win the match 2-0. Bayern Munich had no chance against a team with Aiden La Camiseta. With wind in their shirt. Absolutely astounding. Absolutely astounding campaign by this Inter team. Absolutely. One of the best teams that we will ever see. No doubt about that. Inter Milan finished in the Serie A table with 82 points. Two points above Roma, who finished with 80 in second place. Milan was third with 70 points. Sampdoria was fourth with 67 points. And Palermo was fifth with 65 points. Incredible that Juventus is not even on here. It just goes to show how different the times were, how normal it was for Inter Milan to be a great team. And it's sad to see the state both Milan teams are at. Inter is recovering with Antonio Conte, who is almost a revitalized version of Anto- of Jose Mourinho. Still, I think he has to... He's, I mean, I have no bearing on his management. He's one of the best managers in the world, I believe. And I think it was giving the short end of the stick, as I've said multiple times on this podcast with Chelsea. But I believe if he wants to succeed, if he wants to succeed in a manner that you know will be long term, he I think he has to have a better sense of man management. I mean, the thing with coaches like Mourinho in his prime, I think he's changed a little bit now. And good coaches in their prime is that players get sick of them after three years maximum. They just can't can't deal with such players anymore. All in all, Mourinho and Inter Milan accomplished historic feats in the 2009-2010 season. 2009-2010 season. Behind the likes of Wesley Schneider, Milito, Eto, Mancini, Stevenoc, Cambioso, Palotelli, Mota, Maicon, Materazzi, Julio Cesar, Cordova, Zanetti, Lucio, incredible season that should be commended for years to come, and it should give a respect to Jose Mourinho that he does not get. Mourinho, I'd like to end with this monologue about what I consider the greatest coach of all time. Of all time, Jose Mourinho. I believe he gets disrespected greatly. Not only in the media, but inside the footballing industry as well. As well, Jose Mourinho has won 22 trophies in his career, which is an astounding number of trophies. And I think we have to take into account that he took FC Porto to a Champions League final. Are you? Are oh, okay? Are people listening to me right now? He took FC Porto to a Champions League final and defeated AS Monaco. He's one of the greatest coaches in this history of football. He took Inter Milan and won the Coppa Italia, Serie A, and the Champions League. 
he averages a trophy every 34 matches as a manager and is continually disrespected continually disrespected in the media but I think we're beginning to see especially with with the um the way things have transpired at Manchester United that it was not completely his fault he did not have the players he most certainly did not have the backing but I will be a supporter of a man that is not fearful of the media. That is not fearful to put himself out there and take what the media has to give him. That is not fearful of taking the attention off of his team. At the end of the day, Mourinho is, will defend you till the end in the media. He will say the most outlandish things to make sure you do not get the pressure for the goal you missed or the goal that you let in or the defensive error you made. He has the courage that no other coach has. He does not care if you're Arsene Wenger. He will get in your face. He does not care who you are. He will shame you in the media. And he will back it up. Which is astounding. Real Madrid. With Real Madrid, he had one of the best teams of all time. The best counter-attacking teams of all time. You cannot even argue with me about that. Ronaldo and Benzema were just unstoppable in the counter. I end with this Mourinho monologue with hopes that the public at large gives him more respect, gives him the respect he deserves, gives the Portuguese man a sense of appreciation for what he's done in football. How he has transformed, has he transformed the game? Not really. But guess what? He's won trophies. It is not necessary to reinvent the wheel to win trophies. Mourinho is a prime example of that.